Welcome to episode 13 of Strength Agenda Radio featuring Courtney Kendall, owner of Doghouse CrossFit and perennial national level weightlifter. Courtney resides in the city of Chicago, and since Chicago is the best city in the world, ipso facto, she's the best weightlifter in the city of Chicago. So grab your coffee, turn your volume up, and give me two claps and a Ric Flair. This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. On today's top of the show, as promised, we are answering your questions. And it's a good one. This question comes from the DMs on Instagram. It goes a little something like this. Tom, I hear you and other coaches talking about going heavy or maxing out in the lifts, snatch and clean and jerk, and wanted to know what your method was for basing percentages off of frequent maxing out. I've been weightlifting for a little over a year and programmed for myself. Any insight is appreciated. First off, I like to clarify when I'm talking to people about this. I do not, and I mean do not like the word maxing out. Um, The reason for that is in my experience, both with myself, training partners, and other athletes that I've worked with, when people start thinking about a max out day or they're, they're going for that max single in a snatch or a clean and jerk, they forget about every other lift that they are supposed to be focusing on building up to that supposed number that they're trying to hit or that they want to hit for that training session. So instead, I use the term heavy single. I know it sounds a little petty, but I like this term just a little bit more because it allows the athlete to realize they're going for a heavy single for that day. It may not be their PR. It may be their PR. We don't know until they get there. Sometimes 80% is heavy for the day. You just don't know how the body's going to respond. So I hate putting more pressure on the athlete by saying we are maxing out today. I just prefer the term heavy single. It's just me. Um, the other thing too, though, is, you know, with my team in particular, my lifters that I work with, we do a lot of variety in our training. We are not always pushing heavy singles and just the snatch and the clean and jerk. We do a lot of variations. We do a lot of hangs. We do a lot of complexes, lifts off the blocks, lift with pauses and all sorts of different, um, um, additions added to those lifts. So it's not always going heavy and just the snatch and the clean and jerk. Um, keep that in mind. I do that because it just keeps training a little bit more fun. It gives you something to push for. You've got a bunch of different PRs to keep track of. and You're not just focusing on like four or five main lifts like the Bulgarian method um, um, utilizes. All right. So second, you know, I don't know what your background is in terms of, you know, other sports that you've done going into weightlifting, but seeing to it that you're still pretty new to the sport of weightlifting, I highly recommend you get yourself a coach. Um, there are very few weightlifters or, you know, lifters in general that I have seen and known and heard about that can program from themselves from the start with minimal hiccups. In this day and age with technology and social media and all those things, there are plenty of ways for you to find a coach that you can work with either in person or remotely. So, so try and look into that. You know, we offer a wide variety of those coaching options at the strength agenda from training at the facility, semi-remote, remote coaching options, or just straight up programming options with no coaching through our everyday training templates on Train Heroic. I know I'm not the only one that does this, so there should be no issue with you trying to find a qualified coach to help you out. Now on to your question. Um, unless you're a brand new lifter, it, it's going to be very hard to hit a new PR every time you go for a heavy single. And I think that's kind of what your question was getting at when you were talking about, you know, basing percentages off of the frequent maxing out. 
Um, so when it comes to, you know, lifting and all that stuff, the only two maxes that I care about and that most, most coaches should care about are the snatch and the clean and jerk, because after all, those are the two lifts that matter on the platform and that go towards your total. So, you know, when it comes to basing and evaluating percentages, you know, off of your best lifts, there are two methods that I usually use. The first one is pretty dang plain and simple. It's use your current best. Um, you know, don't use what you think you're going to be hitting at the next meet or what you want to hit at the next meet, or don't use what you think you should be at. Um, use your current best. If you think it's too low or it's not a good representation of what you should be or can be doing, the next time you get a chance to max out, hit a better number. You know, it's plain and simple there. Um, or when that lift is on the bar at your next meet, make sure you hit it and leave no doubt. Um, don't leave it up to the judges or anybody else to say, no, that is not your current best, all right? Um, this number is what you and your coach are basing a carefully planned out training phase on. So hypothetical lifts should not be part of that equation. You need concrete numbers that you've hit in the last 12 months of training to that date to base these percentages off of. Um, the second method you know, for basing percentages off of this stuff is something I've used personally and now I, I implement a lot with my athletes. Um, and this is kind of going back to that last sentence I was talking about with you know, 12 months to the training day. If you have a PR that is over a year or what I call a stale PR, um, it does happen. I know when I was at MDUSA towards the end of my career there, I, I had gone a, a well over a year before I hit a snatch and a clean and jerk PR again. And you know, sometimes it happens. You might have an injury, you might have a bad string of meets, or simply you just had to take time off from training that has just added to that you know distance between your two PRs. Um, but just keep in mind that it does happen. There might be that chance, that slim chance that you've, you've gone over a year without a PR. So in that case, the one thing I implement with my athletes is I use 90% of your last PR if it's been over a year. This is kind of something I picked up from Jim Wendler's 531 program that he uses throughout his entire training, um, but I incorporated it for my lifters who've had what I call a stale PR. Um, just use 90% of your current max to base your percentages off of, and it's worked pretty well. You know, in the end, just don't overthink it, try, and don't try to make mountains out of molehills. That's part of the beauty of having a qualified coach in your corner. You know, in the early stages of your career, you have enough, enough stuff to focus on between your technique your recovery, your nutrition, etc. Take the guesswork out of you know what you're basing your PR off of. Use either of the tried and true methods and get back to what's really important, and that's getting better. All right, boys and girls, this might not come as a surprise to you, but I'm a bigger guy, and I have been for years. I remember the first time I had to take one of those medical exams to get life insurance. I scored horribly. Not because I wasn't healthy or fit, but because traditional insurance companies evaluate your health on an outdated standard called the BMI. Newsflash, that's not a great indicator of health for somebody who lifts weights or works out on a regular basis. So I've partnered up with Health IQ because I 100% believe in what they're doing. Rather than going the traditional route, Health IQ is a life insurance agency that offers exclusive rates to those that can demonstrate they know what a healthy lifestyle is and prove it through various methods like their Health IQ quiz, data from your fitness apps, and other unique ways. The advantage of working with Health IQ is that their unique mortality model is based on ensuring the health conscious and that they have lower rates for health conscious people, like a good driver gets on savings with auto insurance, and unique underwriting, replacing the BMI with waist to hip ratio, cholesterol calculations, and other methods. Stop paying more than you need to, or worse, avoid getting life insurance altogether because you're afraid you won't qualify for great rates. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance, and that can be you too. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com agenda, or mention the promo code agenda when you talk to a Health IQ agent. 
According to studies, lifting reduces your risk of heart disease and type 2 diabetes, among other benefits, like, you know, having awesome videos to post on Instagram. But Instagram views and followers won't be able to help you save money on your life insurance. So head on over to healthiq.com to learn more and get your free quote today. My guest today, uh, whether she will actually admit this or not, I am more than willing to say it, is probably one of the baddest chicks in the Chicagoland area. She is a multiple-time national medalist, um, international team member in weightlifting. Um, she is now a gym owner, mom, a successful coach, and she is still kicking butt on the platform. My guest today is Courtney Kendall. Ken Courtney, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Happy to be here, yeah. For those who aren't aware, she used to be Courtney Valerius. She's married now because she's still in my phone as Courtney Valerius every time <laughs> I go to text her, but she's Courtney Kendall now. So Courtney, um, for those who are uh, you know unaware of what you do, like give us some background, like starting back to like what you did, you know, sport wise or anything like that in high school through college to your current situation. Yeah. Yeah. Sure thing. First of all, back up a second. Was never, yeah. was never international team. Member. Oh, okay. I thought the, the, no. closest I ever got was a world team camp, which was, you know, that was exciting in itself back when they had the, the resident program at the OTC. But, oh, yeah, that's um, right. yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, like a lot of people got started with weightlifting, um, I, fresh out of college. I was a college athlete. Uh, I rode for Indiana university, you know, walked on as a freshman and was just hooked by how hard it was. Uh, you know, it was average high school athlete, you know, you just kind of, just your average kid who wasn't like a super stud, but just loved to run fast and work hard. And CrossFit was sort of that next love that I found out of college that filled that competitive void um, and realized, you know, the hard way that I couldn't, I couldn't match the volume that I was used to as an endurance athlete, as a rower, mm -hmm. as a CrossFitter. I mean, it was yeah. just, it was bad news. Um, and so... Uh, Will Fleming, who's out of Bloomington, Indiana, with uh, Force Weightlifting, mm -hmm. um, basically talked me into doing a training cycle with him. I think it was like one month, and I was hooked. Yeah. Um, so that's that's sort of how I made that transition from CrossFit to weightlifting. It just for me, it was more about having to just start all over again. You know, yeah. I told I sucked. I mean, I was I still to this day you know, struggle with, you know, being balanced in my snatch. And, um, yeah. it's, uh, it was a sport that I found that I, I couldn't, I couldn't cheat the system. You know, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't push it as hard as I wanted to push because it, it required a lot of work before getting to that point. And yeah. so if anybody starting out says that they were a natural at weightlifting, they are a liar, yeah. uh, plain and simple. I don't care who the athlete is. Like, I think everybody at some point has had that learning curve where it's like, oh mm -hmm. man, this is actually going to require some effort and work on my end, right. you know, before they can get to that consistency. So I just wanted to preface with that because I hear all the time, be like, oh, this guy's a natural. No, he's not. Well, I think, I mean, you can't, you can't cheat the system in terms of building a foundation, but you yeah. can definitely pick it up faster than others. I mean, oh, I, for sure. I had, I had a, a, a gal that went through, she's going through on-ramp for CrossFit right now. And I put a barbell in her hand on day one. You know, she moved so well and yeah. even just like her loading patterns and her squat. I'm like, dang, I mean, she, she's miles ahead of where my body was at, yeah. um, getting started. And yeah, I think everybody sucks, but I think some people for sure, just movement wise can definitely yes. pick it up faster. Oh yeah, I, 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 yeah. I was not one of them. You know? No, I, no, I, <laughs> I was, I was. 
I don't know where you were in terms of like, there's like, you have your athletic people, you have your people that move really well. And then like, you have your strong athletes. Like I was one of the strong athletes. Like if you see any of like my early videos and stuff like that, there was no technique whatsoever. It was like, how hard can I pull on this mm -hmm. and how close to a good position am I going to get into when I like finish the lift? That was it. Like it took years. And I, I mean, if anybody watches any videos of me lifting now, like you still see, I have so many technical flaws that I'm trying to work on and stuff like that. Like it's just a never ending process. So, you know, you, you, you started working, you know, or you did your phase with Will. Um, I mean, you've had quite a list of like well-known coaches that you've worked with. I mean, just to name a few, you know, Roger Nielsen, uh, mm -hmm. you've worked with, you know, Zygmunt Schmalter. It's like, what was it like, you know, where did you go from Will in like your first taste of weightlifting to, you know, where you're currently at? Like, give us a little bit of your weightlifting journey because it was one of those things. I, when I got involved in weightlifting, I had heard about you, but I didn't like know you until I actually left. And um, I came back for like a mm -hmm. Christmas, you know, vacation, whatever like that from MDUSA. And you were at Sayre Park one of the days I was there. And, like, we yeah. talked a little bit. Roger had talked to me a little bit about you and stuff like that. So kind of explain your journey through, you know, USA weightlifting and all that stuff and some of your PRs and accomplishments and milestones and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been very fortunate. I've learned from a lot of awesome coaches. And, you know, along the way, I've, I've kind of built my, my toolbox, so to speak, to where, you know, I've been able to – just develop myself, but it also has been amazing in being able to, you know, take what I've learned and, and kind of create, you know, my own developmental process. And, um, you know, not, not by re reinventing the wheel, of course, but, um, you know, just helping people get better. Um, but I, yeah, I started with Will, um, you know, I think trained through a couple cycles, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I also wasn't the most coachable, probably starting out. I was hard headed. I had a lot yeah. of questions. You know, I was basically just a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> Roger was, you know, Ro Roger just being super old school and he was, yeah. you know, really encouraging. When I would be home in Chicago, I would, uh, you know, hook up with him and we'd chat from a distance. And, um, you know, a relationship started there. And uh, when I ended up relocating. Um, I was actually in grad school um, at Indiana as a grad assistant coach for rowing mm -hmm. and got my first job at University of Iowa as an assistant coach. And I made that move and I, uh, I started lifting for Windy City Weightlifting. And so, nice. yeah, Raj was like my coach from afar and I'd, you know, I'd fly to American Open or national level meets and see him there. Anytime I was home, would train with him and, uh, probably put in about four years like that and I, I mean I was training by myself I was watching a lot of YouTube videos um you know I, I watched some of the stuff that I was doing and you know if I think had I had eyes on me all the time I definitely would have made progress faster yeah but I'm also grateful for that developmental timeline because I learned a lot of things the hard way mm -hmm. and you know when when you go through that it it changes your perspective on how to do things a little bit better and yeah. I found that I've been able to adapt that into some of my coaching um, with my team and just other athletes that I know or maybe are just friends of mine. Um, but, you know, from Roger, I eventually came back to Chicago and, you know, was still training but was sort of riding on the cusp of burnout. You know, I was yeah. like sort of like bottom 
bottom of the B session. And this was back in like, I don't know, 2012. And, uh, you know, weightlifting since then, like women, especially it, it, I mean, guys too, but the weight that, that, uh, women are putting up. I remember like idolizing like Dana Carew as a 69. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think she was like a 90 kilo snatch, maybe like 110, 115 clean and jerk. If I can, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just shooting out numbers might not be exact, but you know, to what, what you're seeing that cat, that weight category lifting today. I mean, it's just, everything has just blown up. Um, you know, I'll never forget like the Westchester, Ohio, uh, nationals at a roller skating rink and then now it's like you wouldn't even dream of that oh my you know, God, so things yeah. things have definitely you know grown um you know but uh, yeah around that time i was i was ready to throw in the towel and just go back to crossfit we we opened up um my crossfit gym back in 2012 i was living in iowa and my boyfriend at the time who's now my husband was like yo i'm opening a crossfit gym and I'm thinking like, okay, you're, you're what? <laughs> yeah. He was, uh, he was just fresh out of the Chicago police Academy and, uh, had a couple buddies that were like, yo, let's do this. And I just jumped in blindly and you know, the rest is history. And for me, the balance of running the gym and still trying to lift, like it just got to be, it got to be nutty. And I, I was literally about ready to just switch gears and I found Oleg Danilov, um, who's a master level lifter. I don't, I th- he might be, no, I don't think he's affiliated through Sayre Park anymore, but he was for a while. Yeah, he's, um, up at, he's up at IHP now, I believe. Yeah, I think, I think he's, I mean, I know he's sort of running that club up there, but yeah, um, yeah, he, he was my guy. I mean, it, I basically stalked him for a couple months, like, hey, can I come train? You know, and then it turned into, you know, here's your program to, you know, all right, like, let's talk about competition schedule and, you know, you can work with me on Fridays and his, his philosophy and his, um, you know, his programming style really transformed my technique. Um, you know, I had an awesome foundation and, you know, every coach I've, I've worked with was the exact right coach for that time in my development. And like Roger to this day, you know, we'll I'll call him up or we'll, you know, we'll get together, I'll head up to Rise or he'll come to Doghouse and we'll just kind of touch base. And, you know, it's like nothing's different from when, you know, he was programming for me directly, which I think is so important. Yeah. Um, I, I see a lot of athletes that are like, no, I just need to change everything or I need a new coach or, yeah. and it's actually like, no, you need to shut up and keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> right. You know, because you're never gonna get anywhere if you're just chasing your tail or you're constantly changing it. So I was very, I mean, I had a really nice progression as I went and, and maintained, you know, good relationships with mostly everybody. Um, and, uh, you know, Raj is is still like a, he's like a super fan. You know, he's always there, Mm -hmm. um, you know, cheering on, uh, whether it's me or my athletes, um, so it does have kind of a, a nice like community vibe to it. But um, yeah, Oleg, Oleg was just that crazy Russian that helped me kind of put the pedal to the floor and kind of re re-energize my, uh, my love of the sport and make me um, make me realize like, man, you're, you're, you're still a novice, you know, and that process was, was cool. Um, but it went from, you know, instead of probably trying to, to max out every Friday, it was, 
a lot of heavy pulls and a, and a very strategic squat program, like really emphasizing weight uh, weaknesses, uh, more variation in the lifts and the movements. It wasn't just snatch and clean and jerk, yeah. um, which was exciting. Um, you know, it was a lot of variation and it's that type of training. I mean, it, as an athlete, it can be hard cause you don't feel like you're making linear progress. Yeah. Um, but when it comes time for competition and you, you know, you, you, you back down and you taper well, I mean, you're ready to compete, man. And so Absolutely. from probably about 2012 to 2015, I was on a, like a war path. I mean, yeah, I went, were. I went from probably a, you know, like a real funky looking 70 kilo snatch, you know, 92 kilo clean and jerk to, you know, a still kind of funky looking <laughs> nah, 90 something kilo snatch. And you know, one, 122 clean and jerk was my best in competition. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was, it's, it was a fun, a fun stretch of time. Um, you know, I actually, I had a couple, you know, injuries and was out at the OTC and uh, I realized trying to stay at training weight and stay in like a hardcore deficit, which was the only way I knew how to do it, yeah. um, led to getting hurt. And, um, you know, even though it was a lot of ups and downs, like every, every training cycle and every, every season, you know, I, I got a little bit better and, yeah. um, you know, I, I try to instill that with my folks at Doghouse now is that, you know what, like I had a, a newer weightlifter who, uh, you know, she trains really hard and, you know, she, she, she gets these little doses of progress and then something will happen. Or like she, she, she dumped a front squat and screwed up her wrist and we couldn't, we couldn't do anything overhead for about eight weeks, you yeah. know, and telling these guys like, listen, you, it's okay. You, you can still make forward progress. It's just maybe not the, you know, your workouts don't look exactly how you want them to right now, but right. you're still getting better. Um, Jeez, this sounds exactly like a conversation I have with one of my lifters almost on a every three month basis. Cause just something, like you said, something just happens. Like it's not planned. It's just a fluke. Like you can't control it or whatever. And then because they can't do what everybody else is doing, it's like the world is like coming in on them. And it's just yeah, like, yeah, it's... you just, like, just got to focus on what you can actually do. Let's focus on that. Let's get better at that. And it's going to carry over once we're allowed to jump right back in with everybody else. Yeah. Well, and if you think about like, and it, it is, it's hard because when you're so passionate about something and you want to get yeah. better, you know, it, it, there's something to be said about that. But when you have to reroute, you know, think about the character you're forging when you're, when you're forced to just buckle down and, and set your eyes on maybe some other smaller goals that, you know, aren't, aren't exactly reflective of where you want to be going, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's gonna help you get there and yeah, right. you know that that same athlete i'm talking about just recently we started you know her her training flipped and as her wrist healed up she's now right in the the in the midst of her best training cycle the girl's snatching and clean and jerking heavier and better than she ever has right you know and she's she's not even she hasn't even been with me a year that's awesome and uh you know it's just really cool to see that like you know, weightlifting, and it's so cheesy, and I even hate to say it because I'm, like, so not, like, the that, like, cheesy, uh, you know, rah-rah motivational quote type of person. But, like, yeah. it's when you have people that are willing to just just grind and just train, it's the same thing over and over and over again and commit to that process, you know. And even, 
keep it, keep going when it gets hard. Or maybe when you have those like little fluky things or body inconveniences or injuries or, you know, outside life stressors or whatever, it's, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're not only just becoming a better weightlifter, but you're becoming a better person. You know, yeah, you're becoming a, exactly. a, strong, a stronger, more resilient human. And I think that's, you can, you can get that out of any sport. You know, that's the mode doesn't matter, but I think that's one of the reasons that for me, like, you know, I'll, I'll probably compete in whatever until I die. You know, like it's, yeah, right? my dad's the same way. He's nuts. Um, and you know, he's another guy who'll be like, Oh, I was pretty mediocre, but you know, he, he'll be 75 signing up for who knows what. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, man. So I want to go back and touch on a couple of things you've, you've talked about. Um, going back to, you were talking about what women were lifting and doing in the sport when you first got going to what they're doing now. Um, why, what do you think caused that? Like, obviously we all, we could beat a dead horse, you know, on this topic in terms of what CrossFit has done for the sport, um, in terms of, you know, getting new blood in there, getting, you know, a, a, a feeder system, so to speak, because you have a much wider, you know, talent pool to pull from. But what are just some things that you think in particular has helped grow, like the women's side of things to the point of now, I mean, I think it's safe to say our women's teams are continually outperforming our men's teams on the international stage like our, our olympic team last year we sent three women we sent one guy right you know um our world team this year i believe the women took third place um or second place overall as a team the men were top five but the women you know we had a world champion on the women's side we had an, a bronze medalist on the other side whereas we just had you know harrison morris as a bronze medalist i believe or silver or no maddie got a silver she got upgraded because of uh drug suspensions and stuff but like what do you think has caused that especially on the women's side this this evolution and this rapid growth in a short amount of time you know it could be it's tough man it could be a lot of different things i think it'll all shift you know it, it tends to go performance in terms of whether it's men women you know, you, if you look at like trends, developmental stretches of time, you know, I think when it comes to women in athletics, you know, like it'd be, I'd be interested to know the statistics, even in like a CrossFit setting. Mm -hmm. I know at my gym, I've got, I think like 50, like the high 50%, like 56, 56, 57% of my members are women. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I don't know if it's a, a developmental thing based on just exposure to different sports. Like more guys are, are, you know, in their, they're in college playing football or, or whatever. Um, you know, we're women. Yeah. Like we're, we're banging it up. We're, we're tearing, we're like, we're, we're competing just as much. And, you know, you look at those numbers and I mean, myself being a, a former collegiate athlete like I mean I was a walk-on I was a rower yeah um I had opportunities coming at me from eight million different directions it was like hey you want to be division one athlete yeah sure you know, like, um you know it could just be opportunity it could be uh I mean all I know of when you look at the way women are are approaching the barbell and the way that they're training and lifting um they're just pushing the envelope, mm -hmm. you know, and I think guys are doing the same thing. Like it's, yeah. I, I don't think there's, you know, a difference in terms of, um, you know, development or performance. It could just be, 
you know, right now we just happen to have more high level chicks or they're just, yeah. and I know there's a lot of politics going into like making and a lot of, a lot of hoops you have to jump through and steps to take to be, you know, an international team member. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've, I've just sort of begun dabbling and familiarizing myself with some of that process just with mm-hmm. one of my athletes, you know, getting pretty good. Um, yeah. but I don't know, man. I think it's. I think it could be a number of of things. Like, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I, I mean, you just talking about the general like overall competitiveness. Like, I plain and simple, my lifts that were my bests when I competed would be like bottom of the A session now. Like, in order to be, in my yeah. opinion, like a competitive super heavyweight, you need to be snatching over 160 kilos, and you need to be clean and jerking over 200. Like, my best was 152, 200 or 201. And that's not getting the job done. So it's just, it's really cool to see, you know, like you said, both men and women's side, that level of performance, you know, increasing. But for me, it was just more intriguing, the the more rapidness. And I think that could also be contributed to the fact of, you know, women's weightlifting was added on later than men. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's just, there's been less time for that to develop. So when you've got the same resources being put into both groups, like the women are going to have a little bit more of like an explosion in terms of development versus the men who've been, you know, able to do it a little bit longer given, you know, the status of the sport. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So you were talking about, you know, um, the right coaches, at the right time for your development and stuff like that. Um, for obviously with social media, it is a lot easier nowadays to kind of see what people are doing and, you know, see how people are training and the different coaches <laughs> and stuff like that, that they mm-hmm. keep jumping around with. Um, what is, you know, a piece of advice you would have for somebody who's just getting involved in, in, in the sport that is looking for their, you know, quote unquote coach. Like you see these people on um, there. I was just talking with a couple of my other lifters about it the other day. Like you'll get people that will be three months with one coach, three months with another coach, you know, four months with another coach. And each time they're like, Oh my God, this is the best coach I have ever been with. Like, what are just like, what is just like maybe one or just a couple of pieces of advice you have for a lifter in terms of trying to just find that right fit for them when it comes to their coach? Um, well, one, I think it's credibility, you know, uh, I've had friends of mine that have, have, you know, gone through training cycles and they're also, you know, I'm part of this barbell club and, you know, who's, you know, who's, who's coaching, you know, oh, Bill. Okay. Well, you know, like, um, is Bill, is Bill like giving you support and attention? You know, are you, pro- is, is there, is are you are you doing any kind of training cycle like it wouldn't it doesn't it doesn't take much right like um but you know it depends on who you are and where you want to go you know if if you're doing if you're doing something because um you know because you enjoy it and it's fun and you're maybe going to get out on a comp you know some local competition um it, it depends on your goals like if you're if you're looking to just throw down and and have fun and move a barbell and you don't really care where you get, like just understand that you have to do something. You you have to be, you have to stick with it and you have to do it for at least a couple years if you want to be decent, you know, and jumping around it, it doesn't, it doesn't result in any, any legit consistency. You might, yeah, you might like coincidentally get a little bit better because you keep doing, you know, you, you keep doing something, but there, I don't think there's a magic formula in terms of what makes 
the right coach, the right fit for somebody. Mm -hmm. I think like it all, it kind of depends on style too. You know, I know my style tends to be, uh, I, I joke around and, you know, I laugh with my athletes a lot. Like, you know, I've over the years gotten pretty comfortable just being myself. And if somebody ever like, doesn't, doesn't like it, you know, I, um, I have yet to find that because I mean, everybody's a little different, you know, there's 31 flavors, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, it's about working your ass off. Yeah. And, um, it's a, if you, you know, if you are somebody that with a little bit of guidance and the right program has the work ethic to keep showing up, some of those details about who your coach is sort of shouldn't matter. Right. Like it's not up to your coach to lift your weights. It's not up to your coach Absolutely. to, to motivate you to want to go to the gym. And you know, I've, I've lost athletes because I'm, I've never been that coach that's been willing to be like, you know, holding the, holding the fire under their butt. Like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's that has to kind of be a preset thing. And that's for sure. I think the reason that I am that way is because I have a lot of other things fighting for my attention and a lot of other, Oh, absolutely. you know, I, I wear a lot of hats yeah. and, you know, being a weightlifting coach is, it's like my, it's, it's one of my, my favorite things. Um, you know, but I, I mean business when it comes to, yeah. um, you know, that time and, uh, you know, the attention I'm giving, giving my athletes, um, I hear sometimes, you know, uh, people complaining about, um, just consistency, you know, Mm -hmm. and if, if your coach isn't vested in you, you know, that's a problem. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think, I think, uh, some inexperienced coaches can just think like, well, I'm your coach, you know, it's, you know, you're going to do what I say, but if, if an athlete's experienced in maybe other sports or understands how training works, as a coach, you've got to be a step ahead. And that doesn't mean you've got to be at the gym, like with bells on, uh, <laughs> you know, waiting for your team, but it, it means you've got to show up and you've got to be, you've got to lead by example exactly. and you've, you've got to believe in them more than they probably believe in themselves. You know, Amen. I remember when, uh, Zygmunt and he, he and I worked together for a super short time. Yeah. Um, I had, I had my knee scoped in, March of 2015, I was out at the OTC and I literally day two warming up my snatch, like just blew my knee out. It's like a freak thing. I was probably a little hurt when I was out there and I ended up staying through the camp just to learn and just to kind of soak up some knowledge from him. And, um, I was super torn about what to do. Like, should I just fly home? Um, you know, or should I make the most of this opportunity? And, you know, he, he basically told me, once you're through physical therapy and you're able to move a barbell, call me. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe. And I, 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 I knew he had other athletes that were, you know, gearing up for, you know, international competition. And, you know, here I am like this, you know, sort of just up and coming, just had surgery, you know, not sure if I want to, if, if, if I'm worth his time. And I called him up. And he insisted on Skyping with me literally like every other day. I mean, it was like, it was like a hot date. It was the best. Nice. And he, you know, he just kept saying, he's like, Court, like all you need is someone to, to help you be courageous when you don't believe in yourself, you know, or when you're a little bit fearful or 
or maybe you're you're not sure if you should fight through that little bit of inhibition on a on a on a day where your body hurts. Like you need a coach to help you with those things. And you know, um, you know, I think uh, coach, like like I said, you know, you've got to have a coach that's that's vested and and shows up and is a part of the process. Um, you know, uh, that coach should be able to sort of see down the road, you know, and have a grasp on, okay, this is where we're at. This is where we're going. Mm-hmm. And to kind of have a plan to get there. Yeah. Um, because I see a lot of people where they're like, man, you know, I've been, I've been snatching, you know, the same number for like a year and a half. And I look at them and I'm like, well, why? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, you, like, what that is the sucks. Like if you're not getting better and, and like I said, you know, earlier in our conversation, like, Progress is not always linear, but no. you should absolutely be getting better. If you're not getting better, something's something's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's and it could be a lot of different factors. It doesn't mean, oh man, I'm not getting better. I'm gonna I'm gonna find a new coach. No, it maybe means you need to sit down and talk to your coach and understand the process. Yeah. And, yeah. Or, or, um, or look at other like outside factors and be like, is there something else I can wrangle in that is going to help affect my training? Because that's my number one thing is. I'll get people like I only program five days a week and I get people that argue with me all the time. They're like, I want more. I want more. I want more. And I'm like, look, it is not your ability to like get all five days in in that week. It is your ability to get the day done, recover enough to come back and hit the next day just as hard as you hit that day before. Like if you're not recovering enough between workouts, like we need to adjust it. And I have yet to find somebody that is like not making progress because you know, it's not enough work or anything along those lines. And like nine times out of 10, I'll sit down and be like, well, how often do you stretch? How much water do you drink a day? What does your nutrition look like? What does this look like? Like how many, how much, like the biggest one is sleep. Holy cow. Like with some of these, you know, younger people, like in terms of the lack of sleep that they get, I'm like, how do you expect to, you know, function on three, four hours of sleep a night? Like, I'm like, I have a hard time functioning on like five and, you know, I've been at this a lot longer than you. Like what, in the, like what in your head makes you think that that's going to, you know, be beneficial? So, um, well, at least for me anyways, that's the one thing that I always look at right away is I'm like, well, there are other things that we can add to this that are going to make the training and the progress that much better. Totally. Yeah. It's a, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be committed. Think about, I think you even, it might've been you when we were just on the phone recently is like, you you don't see what someone's doing. They're in the gym for what, like two, three hours at yeah. most. And, you know, what you do outside of those hours is going to dictate your progress right. probably more than the time you're training. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have, I have athletes gearing up for the Arnold right now. And, you know, we've, the last week, couple weeks, you know, we've been kind of scraping the top of the pie. And, you know, their preparation has been going like, totally stellar and one of them sick this week and i was like dude it's fine it's okay like like the work's been done it's now it's about recovery yeah you know and i know that there's some coaches that are like you know we max out up until the the monday before and you know i my my team is mostly working adults and you know a taper done well coming off of a long ass cycle you know, in my philosophy and, and not, there's no perfect program. There's no total, like, you know, written in stone right way. But right now it's about kind of healing up the body a little yeah. bit. And, you know, you're going to continue scraping the top of the pie, but the volume comes way down. Mm-hmm. Intensity still stays up there, 
But I'm like, yeah, you know, dude, go home and sleep today. Like yeah. your your training today when you're sick is not going to be prepare you better for, you know, when we compete in two weeks. No, not um, at all. Not at all. So yeah, it's that recovery part, man. And especially with my CrossFit community, it's like, yes, I see people just like pushing and pushing and pushing. And it's like court, like, you know, I work out really hard at the gym and you know, I'm, you know, my diet's good, but I'm not going, I'm not getting anywhere. But when you, it's like when you, when you don't put the body in a position to like really recover well, you're not going to thrive. You know, you're not, you're not going to, um, you're not going to get the results you want. You know? yeah. So, and that's, that's like, if there's anything that I've learned, right. Like, so if, so if we rewind like 2015, you know, went to nationals, my weight cut destroyed me. I like, I, I showed up looking like a skinny chicken, you know, okay. getting down to 75 kilos. I mean, I'm five, eight, I'm a little bit taller. And over the years, it just got harder and harder and harder to make weight. So I'd like show up with like, you know, Terminator abs and like a thigh gap and like be super flat. And I recognize I, I probably didn't do it the right way. I mean, I yeah. was in too much of a deficit, but kind of another conversation for another time. But yeah. point being is, um, you know, came out of that, gained a little bit of weight, had an awesome meet, uh, a local meet after nationals. This was October. And then November, bam, court's pregnant. You know, just yeah. literally like ran into a brick wall. And coming out of, of that, right, and being on the flip side, now being a mom and trying to re-navigate training as a gym owner, now a, a mom, and a weightlifter, I'm like, what the heck? Like, what? what yeah. How do I find this balance? Like, it has been the coolest uh, roller coaster coming out of. I mean, and you know, we could get all kinds of gnarly with it. Like, we're talking like a little bit of like postpartum depression and anxiety, like not being able to find my new normal. Um, uh, pushing way too hard, way too soon. I was that psychopath that was in my garage trying to move a barbell three weeks postpartum because I saw it on Instagram. Um, and you know, if there's, if there's anybody listening, that's like that they're gauging their postpartum recovery off of seeing women doing, you know, hero wads and CrossFit within six months after having their baby, like just freaking delete your Instagram account straight yeah. up or call me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, I, it was a crazy learning experience and that, that recovery training balance completely flipped on me. And, um, you know, it's, it's given me a platform to help teach my athletes or even just like my, my new, my new members at, at Doghouse that are like, you know, I, I want to lose 50 pounds and my day completely controls me. Like, yeah. like I have no bearing or, and I have no control over my work schedule, my eating, my stress level. And I'm just like, okay, like let's, let's go back to, let's, let's talk about that first. And then yeah. we'll talk about your workouts, you know? Like, right. Um, but it, yeah, you're so right. It's, it's, it's 100% dependent on, on recovery and the balance that you strike with training and, you know. So 
So you're, mm-hmm. let's segue into that. Like you, you were just talking yeah. about like the business stuff and all the other things that you now have, you know, on top of training. Like I said, you run a successful business. You're coaching weightlifters. You're a mom, a wife, uh, you know, a, a daughter. All this stuff. Um, for those who might be listening, that might you know be in that struggle, that same struggle that you were just talking about and all that, like, what are some pieces of advice that you would give, like, in terms of encouragement and stuff like that and trying to maintain that, like, I can't, I was trying to find the post before, um, before we recorded today, like, you had a great post, and I want to say it was during the summer, um, and you referenced Eddie being tied up in the gym as, like, you were comparing, like, uh, somebody's, I can't remember if it was your mentality, uh, but that was a phenomenal post in terms of, and, like, it was kind of eye-opening for me at the time because I was transitioning into, you know, what you're, you know, doing now, essentially, like, trying to find, you know, time to train to be competitive and whatever it was I decided to do, running a business, a a successful business, you know, trying to find time for, like, my wife and, like, other hobbies and stuff like that. And so just what are just Mm -hmm. some things you have in terms of encouragement, like, that you haven't already, uh, you know, touched upon for somebody that might be struggling trying to, you know, juggle all those different, you know, hats that that you have to wear? Totally. Yeah. It, I, I, I know exactly the post you're talking about. I'm even trying to pull it up right now just to reference it. But yeah, it that right around that time is when I turned a corner and I realized that it's okay if I don't have it all figured out right now. Absolutely. And kind of in, again, going back to like, it, it, I, I chuckle at myself saying this because you know, I, I was a hammer for for 32 years. I mean, I was like maniacal and like anxious and like, I was just like, I would just freaking push through anything. And I prided myself in that work ethic, but I didn't realize until I had my son that I missed a lot of self-appreciation and self-love that was necessary to, to do what I'm doing even better. And, um, you know, I think the patient, the, the, the post it referenced just patience and, um, you know, my dog, if anyone knows my dog, I mean, he's a, he's a nut job, you know, and if he ever gets tied up at the gym, he just sits there and pouts and howls and cries, um, you know, and holding myself back is, it's sort of what it felt like. But then as I, as I realized, you know, where I was at, like it, it, it was what I needed to do at the time to, be able to move forward. And, um, one of my coaches who I look, you know, I look up to a lot. He's part-time. Um, you know, he's not on the coaching floor often. He has three kids with four on the way. He works midnights. He's a Chicago police officer. Um, you know, Josh turns to me and he's like, court, you know, we only really get like two priorities, maybe three. He's like, you know, and your priorities were weightlifting and doghouse. And now you're a mom, you know, and it's got to be really hard to like shift things and figure out what goes where. And it was like a wild hamster wheel for me for a long time, even though being a mom is just like, like, it's like, you know, it in your bones, like, yes, like that's your number one, but figuring out the right rhythm to your life, or at least for my life, it just took a lot of time. Yeah. And I, I go back to that like a lot. I don't even, I don't know. I don't know if you all of that Tom will listen to this. I don't even know if he knows that. Um, but he was right. You, you really only get to have maybe one, like two or three top things, you know, and yeah. 
when when I added being a mom to the equation, it's actually helped me be a better business owner, a better weightlifter. Yeah. Um, I I'm able to give myself a break sometimes versus being super negative and and not such a hammer. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a better coach. I'm a better listener. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not so like full of anxiety thinking about like, all right, what am I, what, what do I need to do better? What am I, what do I need to do next? But instead it's like a little bit of a slower pace. That's focusing a little bit more on the right now and what's in front of me and doing that the best I can. Um, you know, some call it mindfulness. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still just barely figuring I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm just sort of scraping the surface. Well, absolutely. And, I mean, I... you know, the, the, the people in, that I know that do a really good job at this even say it or like court, like it's a moving target. Like yeah. you're, you're always going to be evolving and learning and growing, you know, but just that gross mindset in like, okay, it's totally cool if I suck at a lot of stuff right now. And, you know, I was never that person that was used to accepting that, yes. that I would, I'd be like, like, it'd be like, just, I'd, I'd hammer myself. Yeah. And, um, coming out of it, it's, it's like this awakening, you know, we hired a business mentor. Um, I think it was like last spring, last summer and my business partner and I, we learned how to not just be like meathead coaches at the gym, but we learned how to run a healthy, thriving business. Um, and we're, we're still feeling like we're total beginners and we're learning every day on how to be better, right? you know, and how to, you know, make our members experience better. And I'm learning how to be a better weightlifting coach every day and how to be a better CrossFit coach and better example to my members. Um, it's just, it's, it feels really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I've just recently, I've, I've been inspired by, um, some of our coaches and we just launched a new nutrition program and, you know, all of us have been really like buckling down on our nutrition and, coming out of that i'm now all of a sudden i'm i'm hitting lifetime prs in certain lifts oh, you're, and, you're uh, crushing it in training like i've seen some you were, you did like i think it was like a 110 double or something like that in the clean and i was just like all right like you're, well, it was, what uh, what what blew my mind it was a power clean double from the block yeah which, that's what it was i saw that, that was i good. you know i put 105 on the bar and one of my athletes who was there she looks at me and she's like are you kidding she's like i thought that was 95 <laughs> and uh you know, I'm, I'm getting back kind of into the trudges of training again. Yeah. And it just, it, it feels really good. Yeah. Um, and it is very easy for me to slip back into like Terminatorville and to just want to oh, murder abs- myself. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I have to remember that, um, that being a mom, yeah, like it does require a little bit of a different pace. Um, I mean, I'm, when you mentioned like how Instagram could be kind of smoke and mirrors, like um, I try to keep it real. Like I'm yeah. in, in the morning through the afternoon, I'm, I'm basically home with my son. Yeah. I'm, I'm usually dancing around the living room or like what? foam rolling on the floor, dying. One of the two extremes or like programming on the computer for yeah. my athletes or answering emails and looking like a homeless troll, you know, while my kid runs around the house in a diaper, you know, yeah. that's like our mornings. <laughs> yeah, it is and then, it is. Uh, um, you know, I, I like, I live a little bit of a dream life in the sense that, you know, I'm really doing what I love. 
um, but also working really hard to, you know, not just be working a labor of love, but to be, you know, working a business that's a, a healthy, good business. Absolutely. Um, we're actually, we're, I don't, I think I told you this, we're, we're relocating. Yeah. You, yeah. We're talking about this at all Lumen. Yeah. Um, soon. Yeah. We're. Because you're doing so well, you need more room for all the awesomeness that's going on at Doghouse. Yeah. Well that, that, and we've got some, we've got some big lofty goals and we're, Absolutely. we're going to be, uh, you know, taking a, taking a little bit of a leap. Um, but opening up some really cool opportunities Absolutely. where it's scary and exciting. And, you know, it's like that, uh, it's that fresh excitement where, you know, you, you know, you wake up and, you know, like you, you, you've got that little pep in your step of like, it's like a mix between being so excited and freaked out at the same time that like you can't sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's, that's where you grow. You know, oh, that's absolutely. where, that's where like the, the good stuff ha- comes from. Yeah. Like one of my, one of my favorite quotes is the minute you've got it all figured out is probably the minute you need to stop. Yeah. Because if you, that's how you're going to go through life. Like a, you're not going to be of much use to anybody else. Cause all you're going to come across is an arrogant butthole and be like you're just you're not going to be willing to listen and that's the one thing like you were just talking about earlier that i think i have worked uh tried at least i've tried working tremendously on it is being a better listener like i am always the first one to want to offer some advice and want to help but you know listening has not, not always been like and fully listening not like sitting there playing on my phone while somebody talks or something like that but like trying to intently listen to what they have to say or like if i have an athlete that wants to you know, talk about their plan and be like, Hey, I don't think this is quite working for me and stuff like that. So like, I, I am a hundred percent on board with like, you know, what you're talking about with the listening thing and the, just to trying to constantly be better and all that stuff. Um, that was perfect. Like I, I, people don't get anything out of that. Like I have no idea what to tell you. Um, <laughs> you want to say, let's do some lightning round. You ready for that? Okay. Bring it on. We're going to pause real quick for a, you know, a word from our sponsors. A little known fact about hand armor chalk is that the owner, Tony Madalone, is a former college strength and conditioning coach. Besides having years of experience working in the trenches to create a product like hand armor, his idea for his patent pending formula came out of necessity. Back in his coaching days, he had a few athletes with autoimmune issues that trained alongside the other athletes. Given their health issues, he needed a way to cut down on the spread of germs, and if you've ever been inside a college weight room, you know how tall of a task that can be. Tony set out to create a product that not only can be used individually by his athletes, but was also antimicrobial. Hence, Hand Armor Chalk was born. So whether you're a germaphobe or you're just looking to keep your gym a bit cleaner, go to handarmorchalk.com, check out all the products they have to offer, and get yourself some. Most athlete codes get you 10% off their purchases, but if you use code AGENDA, A-G-E-N-D-A, you save 15% off your Hand Armor order. So go with the Chalk of Champions and choose Hand Armor Chalk for your gym. And now we're going to go ahead and get going in that lightning round. So um, I have three questions that I've picked out special for you. Um, And if we have a little bit more time, I have two other ones that we can add in there. But um, first one's first. Um, First, are you a comic book person? No, No, not at all. So we'll skip that question. Um, I wish. I I wish. Like. it's a sickness the comic book thing is a sickness because (laughs) like i am that guy that like i was a marvel guy not a dc guy and i will go to the movies and watch the movie and i am that guy that'll sit there and be like that's not what happened like you screwed that up 
like I'm that jerk in the movies or I'll post about it on Facebook and all that. Like it's a sickness. Like being, you know, engrossed in comic books has its benefits, but it has a lot of negatives that go along with it. But we'll go over to Power Rangers. Which of the Power Rangers, like the original, we'll go at six because we were talking about this on another episode. Like there are actually six original ones if you include Tommy. You know, which Power Ranger was your favorite and why? You remember the original six ones? You know, I, I'm, I'm failing that lightning round right now. You, you are. But that's I, a, <laughs> I can give you a different question if you want. I was never a Power Ranger kid. Really? I don't know. Yeah. Oh man, like that was. You're the first person that uh, you know my age that has said that. Because is that I felt, weird? Am, I, is that so weird? No, you were probably outside actually doing stuff instead of sitting on your butt watching TV like I was. Um, I had a whole like routine of cartoons. We were talking about that in the gym the other day of routine of cartoons that answer. Let's skip that question. Let's go on. My mom, my, my mom was hardcore. Like if it was after school, yeah. like, yeah, I was like either outside at a friend's house or on my bike. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, that was me during the summer, during the school year. Not so much. Cause I only had like an hour. <laughs> I had an hour before I had to be at football practice. And I'm like, mom, can I just watch some TV before I have to go to football practice? And she's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. So yeah, I, had, I, I, I had like an hour and 15 and I got all my cartoons in, in that time. I mean, I, if I had to pick, I'd say the yellow one only because I was never a pink, a pink kind of gal. Yeah, yeah, I can and see so that. like I'd pick the yellow one just because she's not pink. A little <laughs> trivia on the yellow Rangers. I didn't know this. And uh, somebody, okay. another ep- uh, episode that we, you know, recorded, you know, was telling me about this. My buddy, Justin, he was saying that, um, so Power Rangers was, um, the American version was adapted from Japan. Um, they had their own like series and show oh. and all this and characters and stuff like that. The Yellow Ranger in the Japanese version was actually a dude. Like the oh. only one of like the original Power Rangers that was a girl was the Pink Ranger. The rest were all guys. So if you like look at their uniforms, like the Pink Ranger had like a skirt almost, and the Yellow Ranger had the same uniforms as the rest of the guys. And that's because in Japan it was a guy. So little fun trivia. So next time you're you know at a party with friends and stuff like that. There you go. Well, maybe that's why I gravitated towards her because maybe she just looked really strong. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so next question, okay? Sure. If you were a WWE wrestler, okay, what would your walkout song be and what would your uh, name be? Ooh, okay. And now we're talking. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. I'd have to say... <sighs> I thought about this one a lot. It's one of the one of the icebreaker questions I use at, at like with new members in class. That's awesome. Um, I'd I'd have to go with my my gut. I'd have to say when the levee breaks by Zeppelin. Nice, good It's a favorite. Um, I, as far as the name goes, um, I'd have to pick something sort of stupid and funny. You know, yeah. I. My husband jokes around, like, if I'm ever in the moment, like, coaching class or teaching, I can get really animated and just goofy. Yeah. And he calls it, I go into my corn dog mode. There you go. So maybe I'd be like, I don't know, corn dog smasher. <laughs> I could do a corn dog. <laughs> the, song, the song saves it, so you're good. Okay, you're see? Good. You're good. <laughs> All right, next question. Um, if you were to take a map of the entire United States... You got 50 states all across, you know, you know, all set up on this map. You can just push a state like it's a button, and it is automatically eliminated from the union. Which one are you eliminating and why? I got to go. All right. So I listened to your <laughs> I listened to your podcast with uh, Matt Vincent. Yeah. And I was, like, clapping when he said this, and I have to agree. Iowa, straight up. 
Straight up. Although Even Iowa City, there. I did, and I I really liked my time there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you could just scoop out Iowa City and like put it somewhere else, put maybe... it with like Missouri or part of Illinois, like sure. on the on the border. Sure. There. There or just go. shove it like right on the border. There you go. That's funny, Iowa. All right, yeah. The, the right now the popular ones are obviously Illinois because um, we're just a sinking ship at this point, and then um, North Dakota was another really, really? pop yeah that was a really popular one um especially the some of the beginning episodes in last season a lot of people were talking about um north dakota wyoming has been another state that is starting to make resurgence one of my uh, guests, no way one of my guests doesn't think wyoming exists he thinks it's, oh man he, he thinks it's you just, call me up i'll fight for wyoming man. He, he thinks it's just one of those like uh the, the the moon landing things like it was filmed in a hollywood basement or something like that any, uh, they, got, they need to go to Jackson Hole and they'll change their mind. Right, exactly. That's what I said. I had to do a report on uh, Yellowstone National Park. I did it like three years in a row because I loved the, the, the report the first time. Like you email them, or not email, at the time it was snail mail. You send them a letter saying I'm doing a report and they sent me all this information. I'm like touring Yellowstone. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. So, I I climbed the uh, I climbed the Grand. Did you? Years ago. Out at, yeah, Grand Teton. Nice. Out in, out in that there, Wyoming. All right, so this is a brand new question that nobody has, but I think it'd be a great one for you to test out on me. You get one pass, okay, to walk up to anybody in the world that you want, celebrity, whatever, and you get to kick them square in the shin and then walk away. Don't have to explain it to them, nothing. Just walk up, kick them in the shin, and walk away. Who are you using the pass on? Oh, my gosh. Anybody? Anybody. I'll tell you my answer after. I got asked this on another podcast and I loved it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm using this for Courtney. Oh, geez. Thanks, Tom. Please. Got your back, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> got to kick someone in the shin. Yeah. I... Well, it's not that you got to. It's, it's you want to. No, I know. I get it. I get it. There's, yeah. Um... It could be a celebrity. Something you saw on TV. Drives you nuts for like you deserve to get kicked in the shin. No, this is where I'm freaking terrible too. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in my own world in a bad way. I gotta start paying better <laughs> attention. Besides from rotting my brain on Instagram for maybe a little bit too long. There you day, go. That's about. That's about it. Um. Ah, I don't want to go down a political road here, so we're not gonna do that. Um, nothing. Gonna, I, I'm terrible. I'm telling right, you. So here, here are the, okay, I if you if here, there's anyone that you're gonna like not invite to a trivia night, it's gonna be me. Well, that's not true. That's not true. I invite everybody to trivia night because then it makes me. What was it. what was what was your? So answer? mine was Kanye. Shut. Um, Shut up. I, that was actually going through my head. I want to know why. So when I got asked Kanye, but recently, if you watch the uh, NBA All-Star game, I would have kicked Fergie right in the shin for her horrible rendition of the national anthem. Um, it was absolutely. You know, I, I had a pierced eyebrow in college because I like legit wanted to be Fergie. <laughs> well, I wouldn't kick you in the shin. I'd kick her in the shin. But No, I know, but that's okay. So is that job I, your memory? I was literally going to, I was, I had Kanye West, but I thought you'd make fun of me. No, so I, no. Not that I care about you making fun of me. You can make fun of me all day. Yeah. But, <laughs> No, I think that, there's so many other better people, but his oh no, his, that was his ego is yes. like it's just gross. Yeah, that was pretty much it. This was when I got asked the question. It was at the height of his ego, um, <laughs> and I was just like, I walk right up to him, kick him right in the shin, like just no questions asked. 
and I feel I like to think I could do some damage if I kicked a man like him in the shin. But, you know, it is what it is. So, for those who want to find out more about you, reach out to you, you know, pick your brain about anything like that, where can people find you? Yeah, um, you can hit me up either just my email, Courtney at doghousecrossfit.com. Um, if you if you visit our website, we have little like buttons um, where you can schedule a no sweat intro. That's usually like, hey, you want to come hang out with myself and my business partner, Natalie, for like 20 minutes and talk about how awesome you are and, you know, how we can kind of just help you help navigate your path of just yeah. being being more fit and, and healthy. Um, you know, I, I try to respond pretty quick to like, you know, any kind of Facebook or actually probably no Facebook's probably the last thing, but like Instagram message. Um, I'm usually pretty on top of that, but okay. Yeah. Well, Courtney, thank you very, very much for being on. I got a lot out of this. I know other people are going to get a lot out of this. Like, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to, you know, share your views on all sorts of, you know, all the sorts of hats that you wear with us. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you, Tom. All right. Take care. Me too. Thanks for listening to Strength Agenda Radio. Be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners. Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.